It's wonderful to see you here this morning. No day like it. There's no day like Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Day, the day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord from the grave. Amen? Conquered death and conquered grave, the grave for us. It says in 1 Corinthians, O death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is your victory? And it's just taken away. The, the sting of death is taken away because it's sin. And the Lord delivered us from that. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. This is going to be a resurrection sermon this morning. This is about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the third day. I want you to look at this in Matthew 28, verses 5 through 7. Here's the women going to the tomb early on the morning, uh, that Sunday morning, that resurrection morning, not knowing that the Lord was risen. And the angel answered and said unto the women, verse 5, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. You know, the Lord sometimes has to send angels to set people straight. He sends angels to set people straight. They were looking for the living among the dead. They were looking in a tomb for a risen Lord and Savior. And the angel said, he's not here. You're looking in the wrong place. He's not here. And I want to read Luke's account. I'm reading from Luke 24, but I'm going to go ahead and read it, verses 4 through 8. And it came to pass, same account, as they were much perplexed thereabout, the women. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And, and they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth and said unto them, and as they were afraid, the angel said, Why seek ye the living among the dead? What a wonderful question. It proves uh, it's, there's a lot spoken, in fact, in the question that's asked. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. It was like it took this, took these angels coming in shining white garments to, to speak to them. And when, he, when it actually had taken place and the angels spoke to him, it says, then they remembered his word. They remembered Jesus' words saying that he would die and be crucified in Jerusalem and rise again the third day. He had told them that. This didn't just happen without any uh, foreknowledge or forewarning. The Lord had said many times that the Son of Man is going to be taken to Jerusalem by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be crucified and buried and rise the third day. And this was a fulfillment of it. Amen. And God had to send these angels to set them straight. No one else but Jesus is what I can say about the resurrection. No one else but the Son of God could do what the Lord did. It's not a question of a good man that died 2,000 years ago. It's a, it's a matter of a living man that is just as much God today as he was when he created the world. I'm going to read that again. It's not a question of a good man who died 2,000 years ago, 
but a living man who is just as much God as when he created the world. The Bible says that death is swallowed up in victory. Nobody else could do that. Nobody else could attempt to do that. Nobody else would think about doing that. The Lord swallowed up death in his victory when he died and rose again for us. Every other man, every other religious leader, every other historic hero and figure is historic. They're dead. We read about them in a textbook. You know, name them. A king, a general, a a president, someone that founded a religious movement. They're dead. They're all dead. But this man, Jesus Christ, crucified for the sins of the world, buried He was raised again to life the third day according to the scriptures, and he ever lives. He ever lives. He is the eternal I am. He is living, and he's the God of the living. He's not dead, nor the God of the dead. Jesus said in Matthew, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not, therefore, the God of the dead but of the living. He is not dead, nor is he the God of the dead. He is living, and he's the God of the living. I was thinking about this. One of the names of the Lord that we see in the scriptures uh, used for Jehovah, used for the Lord, is I Am, right? He revealed himself to Abraham at the burning bush as the I Am. And I want to just read this, because this is important to what we're talking about, the fact that he ever lives, okay? In Exodus 3, 13 through 14, Moses said unto God, now he was kind of protesting. The Lord had called Moses and said, you're going to go. I'm I'm going to, I've seen the afflictions of my people. I am come to deliver them. The Lord's going to deliver his people, Israel, out of slavery and bondage and bring them to a promised land. And he says, I want you to, to be my man. Okay. And he meets him at the burning bush out in the desert in Midian where he's tending sheep. The bush isn't consumed. The Lord says, take off your shoes, Moses. The place you're standing is holy ground. Why? Was, I am was there. And he tells him. And Moses, one of his objections, I don't speak well. I stutter. I'm slow of speech. Uh, send my brother uh, Aaron. He speaks well. And he's trying to object to God and tell him all the reasons he can't do it. Okay. The Lord overcomes these objections and he does them for our lives as well. I can't, God. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not the other. And the Lord says, no, I'm, I'm going to be with you. I will be your mouth. Who made your mouth, Moses? I'll speak through you. Just trust me. One of his objections, it came to pass. Uh, it says, Moses said unto God, behold, when I am come to the children of Israel, sh- shall say unto them, the God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I am is one of the names of God. I want to just read that just from the Gospel of John. Jesus said of himself. So we're talking about the same I am. Jesus told the Pharisees, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it. And he goes, uh, they said, you're, only, you're not even 50 years old. What are you talking about? He says, Abraham, before Abraham was, I am. He's using that name. They picked up stones and wanted to stone him. He says, I've done a lot of good miracles and good works in your presence. For which of these are you going to stone me? For a good work, we're not going to stone you. But, good, but because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. 
we're going to stone you. But they didn't stone him. He died on a cross, amen. He died when he was ready to die, and it wasn't at the hands of these people by stones. He was going to die on the cross for our sins. The point is he claimed to be I am. He claimed to be before Moses was and before Abraham was. But just in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the bread of life. He says, I'm that bread which came down from heaven, of which if any man eats, he'll never die. Your fathers ate of the manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. This is different. I'm the bread of life. And it meant to believe upon the Lord Jesus. He says, I am. All these are the I am's of Jesus. Just in John. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Okay? I am the door. He says, by me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved. He'll come in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I am the true vine. My Father is the husbandman. You're the branch grafted into the vine. I got one more, two more actually. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe it? I am the red. Well, I know, I know my brother Lazarus. If you'd have been here, Jesus, you could have healed him and he wouldn't have died. And he's been dead four days and his body stinks now. I know that in the last day he'll rise spiritually. And Jesus says, hold on a sec, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. It's me. Not the last day. It's me. I'm the resurrection and the life. If any man believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yea, I believe. You're the Christ. Amen? We have to believe. There's one more. Revelation 1, when John sees the Lord, I am Alpha and Omega. This is Jesus speaking. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death. He does. Jesus does. He has the keys. That means the authority over hell and death. Nowhere does he, is he referred to in the scriptures as the great I was. He is the I am. He's the eternal I am. He's not the I was. Okay? He lives. He ever lives. And he is eternally alive forevermore. Praise God. But this man, Jesus, died and he ever lives. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ on the third day after his crucifixion is fundamental to Christianity. I want to point this out. I know that you know this, but if you're going to look at what, what are the, what would you, uh, how would you uh, clarify Christianity? How would you sum it up, the beliefs? Of course, we have to believe. What do I have to believe? You have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He did rise from the dead. He says he rose from the dead. And it is a must for what we believe. Praise God. Jesus said, uh, Jesus told, he said, Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. 
Belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the third day is fundamental. It is necessary. It is essential for personal salvation. We say you may be taking that a little too far. Some people believe in Jesus, but they don't believe he rose from the dead. They believe in Jesus, but they don't believe he rose bodily. They just said maybe spiritually that his spirit rose like other men's spirit will. It is necessary. It is necessary to us that our, that we believe in the resurrection as being actual, factual, real, okay, authentic, bodily. Jesus said, touch me after the resurrection. He uh, just appeared. The doors were shut, and he appears in the room with his disciples, right? And they were afraid, and hey, they thought they were seeing a ghost. Maybe just this spirit, the spirit of Jesus has come into the room. He says, no, look, touch me, handle me. He says, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have here. And they handled him. John says, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen, our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, which we have handled of the word of life. For the word was made man of flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld him. We touched him. We saw him. They were apostles. They were witnesses of the resurrected Christ. Amen. Belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the third day, just like the scriptures say, is essential for salvation. You cannot be born again apart from that belief. How do I know that? Well, I'm going to go to a scripture and tell you in Romans 10, 9 and 10. You don't want to ever want just a, you're witnessing to somebody and they say, okay, I want to be saved. How, how am I saved? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thine heart, that God hath what? Raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. It is essential. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The apostles were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Lord. And what did they preach when they went out? Oh, he was a good man. Oh, he's a teacher. He was a perfect love. He was the son of God. He's teaching us a better way. No, they preached Christ and the resurrection. You want to know what they preached? They preached Christ and the resurrection everywhere they went. They preached it to all men. And the, the scriptures say in Acts 4.33, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. So these apostles actually gave witness of the resurrection. How could they give witness of the resurrection? Because Christ was alive and he was alive in them. And he manifested and spoke and did miracles and moved through their lives. It was Christ in them, a risen Christ, alive in them in the person of the Holy Spirit. And they gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus by the, with great power by the power of the Holy Ghost. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, says, Speaking of Christ, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it, or that he should be held of death. How could death overcome life when Christ is life? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The death could not hold him down. It was not possible that he would be held of that. I want to read something from... Uh, a book that I've been studying. 
Christianity is a religion of miracles, says one theologian. The miracle of Christ's resurrection is the living center and object of Christian faith. The doctrine of the resurrection is primary, of primary value for on it all the doctrines of grace depend. All the doctrines of grace depend upon the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. As I said, every other historic figure uh, is wonderful and powerful. You, the birth, father of our nation, George Washington, you just go back through history and people that just stand out as, as prominent in whatever field uh, that they were in, they're dead, they're historic. Okay, they're even either in heaven or hell today, but Christ ever liveth. He lives today. And I want to talk to you just for a moment about the, net, the importance of that, the necessity of that for you and me and for every man, that our Lord be risen from the dead. And say, so what does it really matter? Right? His ideas live on. His visions live on. His teachings live on, like Gandhi's or something like that. What does it really matter that Jesus rose from the dead? It matters, okay? Jesus said, uh, and yet a little while the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. What did he say at the end of that? Because I live, ye shall live also. It has, to do, has everything to do with, with our lives and our lives in Christ. It has everything to do that he rose from the dead. I'll say this, a historic God. I'm putting God with a little G. A historic God, a historic deity that men may put their trust in, a historic man, a historic uh, leader, a historic visionary, a historic prophet, a historic savior that's dead can't save anyone. Someone that's dead, however wonderful they were, whatever they espoused and said and believed, true or right or whatever it may be, someone that is dead today can't save any man from their sin. A dead God can't redeem men unto himself. A dead God can't heal your body. A dead God can't work, can't do, can't love, can't teach, can't speak, can't rejoice over his people with singing. A dead deity can't shepherd people, can't deliver people, can't show up on time. Can't hear us when we call. A dead God can't warn us of dangers to come. A dead God can't answer our prayers. A dead God can't wipe away our tears. A dead God can't declare or speak or create or restore. A dead God can't reconcile a marriage. A dead God can't provide for our needs. A dead God can't justify the ungodly. A dead God can't give clarity and peace to our minds when we're tormented. Dead God can't sanctify us. He can't make us, one couldn't, dead's dead couldn't make us more godly. A dead deity can't keep his promises, can't give us an inheritance, can't bring us to heaven one day, can't prepare a place for us, can't destroy the works of the devil, can't give us every good and perfect gift. A dead God can't reach or love a dying world through you and me. A dead world can't fulfill his word. A dead God can't avenge his own. A dead God can't come again. A dead God can't reign as king forever. But our God can. He lives. A dead God can't help you. If he's dead, let's go home. Let's go fishing. Go take a nap. Let's go watch the golf tournament. 
A dead God can't help us. We're wasting our time. But he ever lives. Amen. He's not here. He's risen. That's what the angel said. A dead God can't do any of the, those things, but our God can. I want to read this from Romans 6, 9, and 10. Knowing that Christ, we have to know it by faith. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. This he did once, right? It says in Hebrews, three or four times. He died once for the sins of the world, and he ever lives. Knowing that Christ, being dead, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no dominion over him. You can say, well, good for him. That's just good for him. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. And, and, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now, what does that mean to you and me? I'll read this from Romans 6, 5, and 8. For if we be planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be also in the likeness of his resurrection. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. How do you live, Paul? You just told me you were crucified. I'm crucified with Christ. His death. My death. I'm identifying with him by faith in his death. Okay? Yet not I, but it's Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Well, how do you live, Paul? It's Christ that liveth in me. And we live by faith. For if we be planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. I know it's a foundational truth. It's a basic truth. We're talking about life and death. A dead God can't help us. But Christ died and rose again. And he won this victory over sin and death and hell and the grave. And he gives it to us. When he gives himself to us, when we take him by faith, amen, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll say this this morning. The resurrection of Jesus Christ happened, bodily resurrection of Jesus the third day, according to the scriptures, happened. It's historical, it's factual, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ matters. I would say, oh, how it matters, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to read this from 1 Corinthians 15. Paul is talking about this same thought, the end of chapter of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. He says in, in verses 17 through about 22, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. So just let it sink in for a minute. We're all here. We give money to the church. We're raising our children to know God. We're here serving the Lord. We've given ourselves to the Lord. Okay. But, and we believe this and we take persecution from the world and we're trying to Walk the straight and narrow by the grace of God. He says, if Christ be not raised from the dead, all that's in vain. Your whole faith, just chuck it in. Throw it in the trash can and walk away. Go eat, drink, and be merry. Okay? Just enjoy. Suck all the marrow out of life you can in this life because it's all in vain, everything else. Okay? All this hope we have of eternity. If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. That means empty means empty and pointless and ye are yet in your sins oh wow we're taking we're really regressing here <laughs> my faith is in vain i'm still bound up in my sin and guilty of my sin it's not been washed away if christ didn't rise from the dead but now is christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept hallelujah 
For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Well, who are these two men? For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. As in Adam all die. Who's in Adam? Everybody. Everybody. Every single human being that's ever lived is in Adam. Even Eve was taken out of Adam. Okay? Every human being that's ever lived. Who's in Adam? As in Adam all die. In sin, even so in Christ, oh, it's a difference here, in Christ shall all be made alive. Amen? And because he lives, we live. It matters. Life, it's his life, it's resurrection life in us, in us who believe. Men aren't, and this is what the angels were telling, telling the women on that resurrection morning. It was Mary and Mary Magdalene and, Mar- and uh, some of the other women. Joanna it names uh, several of the women that were there early in the morning. Men are not to seek the living God among the dead. There's something we need to lay hold on to that and believe. We don't seek a living God, the living God that made all things and made you and me, that died and rose again. We don't seek this living God among the dead. We don't seek him in a graveyard. It would be interesting. I've never been to Israel. Maybe some of you have. And go see where, you know, they believe that he was crucified and where they believe he was buried and so forth. That would be interesting to see. It would be interesting. And maybe one day, you know, we'll, you'll get to do that or I'll get to do that. But I'm not seeking the Lord in a graveyard. He's a living God. We don't seek the Lord in a philosophy or a theory or a textbook or dead traditions of men. We don't seek him under a monument somewhere that's placed somewhere or a mausoleum. We seek and find the resurrected Lord among the living. We call upon the living God. We call out to him. We seek him in his living word. The words I speak, their spirit and their life. It's living word. And we come to him and we seek the Lord and we find him. And he speaks to us. uh, The Lord says in in Jeremiah 29, and you shall seek me and find me. Where? When you search for me with all of your heart. We're going to find the living God. We don't seek the living God among the dead. The Holy Spirit reveals him to us. We have the word of God. And and the, the angels told the women, go to Galilee. Tell his disciples that I'm going before them to Galilee. This is resurrection morning. And there... He's, you will see him. There you're going to see him. You're not going to see him in this grave. They rolled the stone away. The angels had already rolled the stone away. They looked inside. Peter and John came running up later and looked inside, and they didn't see the Lord. He's not here. They found his burial clothes where he had been. And I've heard this, that uh, the cloth that covered his face was folded up. It's in one of the Gospels. Folded up and set neatly right there. You know what that meant? I've heard this in like Hebrew culture or tradition. When somebody was at a dinner table and if they just basically threw their napkin up on the table and maybe covered their plate, that means they were finished. They were done. If they folded up neatly and put it there by their plate, they said, I'm not done yet. I'm still eating. I'm not finished. It is his, what the cloth that had covered his face, and face, the napkin was folded up there and set neatly. And he's, I'm not finished. You don't seek the living God among the dead. We can go to cemeteries all over this city or country and visit a family members that have died. Nothing wrong with that to go and think about them. But you don't do that with the living God. 
He's not here. He's not here, they told him. Why do you seek the living? Go to Galilee, and you're going to see him there. And as we obey the Lord and walk with the Lord, he reveals himself to us. He makes his dwelling place in us. And it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead that now lives in us. Why are Christians so excited about Jesus? Why are Christians on and on and on and on about the resurrection and cry every Easter when they think about it and they're worshiping the Lord? Because he's alive, because he's real, because this is not some dead religious tradition. He has changed my life. He has changed my life. He's given me life, and a dead God couldn't do that. I could read his books and his theories and hope some of it would sink in, but I would still be dead in my sins and trespasses. The same life, the same spirit of Christ that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us, the living God. You know what that Greek word is for life when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? It's used all through the New Testament, Zoe. It's Zoe life. It's, it's a living life. It's a real life of God. And that is now in us. Amen. It's now in us. And ye hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You and every person in this room, and maybe some still are, you don't have to be, were dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead. What did Jesus do for us? Ephesians 2, 1. You hath he quickened. You know why we don't use that word quickened a lot? When's the last time you used quickened? Because it, there's nobody it can apply to other than the Lord. It means he gave life to. You hath he given life to. You were dead in your sins and trespasses, and he quickened you and gave you life. Amen? That's what the Lord has done for us. The devil, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came to give life to life more abundantly. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus is living. He's living to make intercession for us. Now, I want to say this as, as we move on, that now that we're in Christ and his life is in us, this Zoe life of the Lord it is in us, he's gloriously changing us. Again, a dead God could not do this. I can look around this church, just people I've known for years in the Lord and seen, even some of you just in recent days, weeks, and months, the change that God is doing in your life. The Lord is doing that. It's not a theory. It's not a religious system that if you keep all these rules and regulations, that will bring about this change in your life. It is being born again by the Spirit of the living God and walking with Christ. And he begins to change us. And what does he do? It's the same life that's in him. What's the end result going to be of your life? You're going to be like Jesus. I say it all the time. It's not like, you know, Katie's going to be more like this over here. And Damien's going to be more like this over here. And they're not going to recognize each other. They're keeping their eyes on Jesus. And guess what? Them, their children that are saved, everybody that's born again, somebody that lives halfway around the world and doesn't speak English, but they're saved. Guess what? They're being made like the same Christ. The same exact Christ. That Zoe life of the Lord in us. The same kind of life as his. The same kind of love as his. The same kind of selflessness as his. The same kind of power, joy, knowledge, of spiritual things, it's the same Lord. Amen. I want, I want to read this, and we're bringing this to a close. I thought this was interesting. 
The space given in the four Gospels to the death of Christ is most notable. Two of the Gospels do not record the birth of Jesus. One does not relate his temptation in the wilderness. Two of the Gospels make no mention of the Sermon on the Mount. Two of them have no account of his ascension into heaven. It's of the four Gospels. But all four of the Gospels describe in fullness all of the details and fact of his crucifixion. One-third of Matthew, one-third of the Gospel of Matthew, one-third of Mark, one-fourth of Luke is devoted to the account of his death. And one-half of John's Gospel, half of it, is, is, uh, covers the last 24 hours of Christ's life. Half of the Gospel of John deals with the last 24 hours of his life. One-third of the material, if you combine all four Gospels, has to do with the events of the last days and weeks, of last week of his life. And they testify to the resurrection of Christ. They speak about that. Okay, what do we know about Jesus' childhood? Very little, right? Very little. He was a carpenter's son. He was found favor with God and man. At 12 years old, we see him in the temple, and he's got this great knowledge of the scriptures, and he's talking with the, the elders in the church. But we know he was subject to his parents and obedient. And, but we know so much about the death of Jesus and the burial and how the Roman guards, the Jews, talked him into putting... Uh, a guard and a watch over it so that nobody could steal his body. The disciples wouldn't come and steal his body and say that he rose from the dead because we've heard him say that he's going to rise from the dead. It's, it's the, the scriptures in detail talk about this and give, give the details of this. And I just think it's, it's amazing. The Lord wants us to know this. He wants us to believe this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proved a few things. It proved that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. Well, anybody can say anything. That's true. You could say anything you want. You could make some outrageous claims about yourself. And people do it all the time, right? I'm a this, I'm that, I'm a savior, I'm an alien, come here to rescue earth. You could say whatever you want to say, all right, about yourself. But the Bible says that in Romans chapter 1 verse 4, that Jesus Christ declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He proved himself. In Acts chapter 17, when Paul was preaching on Mars Hill, and he says, but God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whereof that he's ordained, whereof he's given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead. What's the assurance that Jesus Christ, that one that was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, is really the Son of God and the Savior of the world? There's a lot of things that testify to Christ being who he said he was, but the resurrection does. And God the Father, when he raised him from the dead, he says, this is the one. He's declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. It also proves, the resurrection of Christ proves that he was who he says he was, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the resurrection and the life, it also proves that the Father was satisfied with the offering of Christ on the cross. That's important to us. 
Jesus wouldn't have been sad if I was martyred for the Lord. It might be wonderful. Maybe I'll be called to do that. Maybe you will. Others have been. But that's not going to satisfy the Father's wrath against sin. Okay? And what Jesus being raised from the dead was proof that the Father was satisfied. In Isaiah 53, we keep going back to that, but it's Easter, and we talk about the, this, this chapter, this chapter that the Jews are forbidden to read because it's so explicit about and descriptive about Jesus Christ being three, a man, the Savior of the world, being the Messiah. It's one of the verses in Isaiah 53, a messianic passage about 750 years before Jesus came to this earth. It says, by, my, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. It says the Father will see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. He might be satisfied with the life you've lived as a, as a believer. You know, Paul says, I finished my course, and henceforth there's a crown laid up for me, and so forth. We can live a life that's pleasing to God, but nobody can do what Jesus did. Okay? And the resurrection for the dead was a uh, proof of the Father saying, I'm accepting, I'm satisfied. There's no more wrath against sin if a man's in Christ. I'm satisfied. There's no more offerings that have to be made. There's no more animals that have to be slain. There's no more offerings that have to be made for sin. We have all kinds of offerings. We give praise offerings to God and so forth. There's no more offerings for sin that has to be made. When he rose from the dead, it was proof that the Father was satisfied. I'm going to bring this to a close. But millions have died a martyr's death. But there's only one cross of Christ. Amen? Millions have died martyrs' death. There's only one cross of Christ, and there's only one good enough to pay the price for sin. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So when Paul was preaching that sermon on Mars Hill, and he got to the point in his sermon about Christ being raised from the dead, when he got to that specific point, they were all ears, right? Just listening. Those Athenians, all they did was sit around all day wanting to hear something new. Tell me something. What do you got? What, what do you have? This is, I never heard of this. And, and they sit around all day just having itching ears, wanting to hear something new. When Paul preached Christ to them, it got to the point of the Father raised him from the dead the third day, and he's alive today. They threw up their hands and began to mock and said, what a joke. This is ridiculous. They began to scoff and mock. Did they all? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They began to scoff and mock. And then there was another group that said, that's interesting, Paul. That's some food for thought. We're open-minded. We'll uh, come back and share a little bit more about this with us. Neither of those responses get any, anybody to heaven. Amen? Doesn't get anybody justified from their sin. And they walked away, but it says some believed. Some believed. And they clung unto Paul, and they clave to him. The mockers mock. Talking about the resurrection and Christ and what we believe. The mockers, mockers mock, the scoffers scoff, but the wise believe. Amen? The wise believe. We lay hold on that. We say, I'm going to live with this. I'm going to die with this. I'm going with Christ. I'm going with the risen Lord. We believe in Christ, risen from the dead, as the scriptures say. You either believe or you don't believe, right? We believe in Christ risen from the dead, as the scriptures say. 
and being believing we have that same life in uh, in us in him was life and the life was the light of men it's not a dogma it's not a theory it's not a wish uh, wishful thinking on the behalf of his disciples it's it's reality it's life it's his life and the reality i'm gonna close with this the reality of christ risen from the dead and alive for more forevermore changes everything changes everything I have no business I have no interest in serving a dead God I was lost in my sins and in my trespasses I was personally and it wasn't a dead God or somebody saying come to this religion it was somebody sharing the gospel and that me believing with mustard seed faith and that God that they spoke about risen from the dead came into my life and saved me and washed my sins away and became my friend and my Lord. And nobody can take that away. It's because he is risen that we're able to do this. When the disciples, I'm closing with this, and D, you can come up. But when, when, the, when the cross kind of set in, like the disciples, right? They, they were watched all this. They fled when he was arrested in the garden. They were afraid. And then finally John comes back and he's, he's an eyewitness to all these events and Peter's watching out from a distance in the shadows, warming himself by the fire and denying the Lord three times to smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Okay, They had walked with him for three and a half years. They had professed, we believe thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal light. We believe and ensure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. They believed. Okay? And yet, they, they, the shepherd was smitten, was arrested, buffeted, mocked, ridiculed, beaten. They stripped his clothes off, put a purple robe on him, and mockingly bowed down and worshipped him as king, the Romans did. Then they put his own clothes back on him, put him on the cross, and crucified him. When he was thirsty, they gave him vinegar to drink. He wouldn't drink of it. They mocked him on the cross. He hung between two thieves, and one of them railed on him. If you're the son of God, save us. And so after, on the third day, on the resurrection morning, as two of the disciples, it was like all their hopes had been crushed. Their hopes had been crushed. And you pick that up when Jesus walks with the two on the way to the Emmaus Road in Luke chapter 24. It's like when he died, all of our hopes died with him. We thought he was going to, they even said that to Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus. We thought he was going to be the king of Israel. We thought he we thought we really did. We really thought he he was the one. And and he's been crucified 3 days now and we see the lack of belief. And the Lord met with them at the end of that journey. And the breaking of bread, their eyes were opened and they saw. What was the difference? They were this is this is them. Three and a half years, they put all their hope in it. They left their fishing nets and so forth to follow Jesus. Levi left the, the uh, tax collecting table, and he went and followed Jesus. He had a big feast at his house telling everybody about Jesus, and I'm leaving that old life behind. They walk with the Lord. Three and a half years, they believed, they believed, they believed. This is the one. And when they had doubt and unbelief, he would rebuke them and strengthen their faith, and they believed. And now it's the third day, and they're just like this. And, and Jesus appears to them. 
Their eyes were withheld. They say it's a man. Some man's walking with us. Come join us. Walk along with us as we go. And so he walks and he says, what are you so sad about? And they tell him, we thought Jesus. Are you new around here? We thought Jesus was going to be the Messiah, the King of Israel. And it's the third day. And he's been, Jews, the Jews crucified him. And we just, that's why we're sad. He says, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. All, you have to believe all of it. You can't just believe the parts you want to. Jesus said he was going to be taken at the hands of the chief priests and scribes and elders and crucified. That's part of it. They believed that part. And buried and rise again the third day. They didn't believe that part. But they weren't sure. Obviously, they didn't believe. That's why they were sad. And he rebukes them. And the whole day's journey, he starts in the Old Testament because that's all they had at that time. He expounded to them through all the scriptures, the prophecies concerning himself. And when they got and they said, we're not going to go any further. It's the end of the day. Let's have supper. We'll stop here for the day. And he breaks bread with them and their eyes were open spiritually. Did it change? Did it change? Let me ask you that. Did it change their attitude? Did it change their hope? Did it change their heart that Christ was risen from the dead? That was the Lord. When he opened their eyes, they said, that was Jesus. He's not dead. He's not in a grave. Thank you, Lord. And they turned and they, they ran back to tell the other disciples. They weren't sad anymore. It changed everything. It changed everything, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? And I just thank God that he did rise from the dead. And I'm going to close for this scripture. It ought to change everything in your life and in my life. If you're not excited about the Lord, you're not excited about being Jesus, and somebody's got to beg you to come to church. You need to know Christ. You need to know him as your Lord and Savior and friend. It changes everything. He changes everything, the fact that he's real. So at the end of that chapter, okay, they, they left. These two unnamed disciples, we know the name of one of them, but they, they went running. They were already worn out from the day, but now they got strength to run all the way back the way that they had come from to tell the other disciples, he's alive. The ladies had told us we were alive. The women, we didn't see him ourselves, but we've seen him ourselves now. He is alive. And it changed everything, and they worshiped him. This is when he, later Jesus came and appeared to all of them in that place where they were gathered, gathered and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. That's how Luke ends. It changed everything. Y'all stand with me. We worship a risen Lord and a risen Savior.